All right. Okay, here we go. All right, what are we what have we been talking about the last many, many, many weeks? Jesus's healing crusades, right? And, it, and as a kid, I went to different evangelists healing crusades and and wondered what it would be like to be in Jesus's healing crusade and follow him, you know. And and so we can't go back 2000 years, but we can go into the Bible and we can uh, be there right with him as he heals the people and does miracles and so forth. So that's what we've been doing over the last many, many weeks. And so uh, we'll continue today and hopefully we'll we'll finish uh I'm going to try to finish him up today and then uh, Jesus's uh, healing meetings and, and, you know, his miracles. And then uh, we'll take a couple of weeks and go through the book of Acts. You know, healing didn't stop with Jesus. He commissioned his apostles to and and not just the apostles, but believers, whoever would believe on him uh, to uh, lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. So we'll take a couple of weeks in the book of Acts after this and look at what the uh, the believers there, the apostles and so forth, what they did, uh, what the Holy Spirit did through them as far as uh, miracles and healings and so forth. But let's, uh, let's uh, does anybody know what we use for our, our main text? It's Acts, what, 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And so we've watched Jesus over the last many weeks take that healing power and go about healing uh, those who are oppressed of the devil. And remember, did people come just to be healed to Jesus's meetings or did they, they came to what? To what? Hear and be healed here, because when you hear, then faith is built. And remember, he said again and again, when people be healed, that it was their faith that did it. Well, of course, it was his power that did it, but it was their faith that tapped into his power, you see. And so we've talked all about that over the last many, many weeks. And and you should have that down by now. You got that, don't you? People came what? To what first? To hear and then what? Be healed. And uh, and you understand why they needed to hear, because faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so so uh, we, we've like I said, we've talked much about that. Did Jesus ever heal anybody just where they didn't have any faith? He just healed him. We, we, we looked at some of that over the last couple of weeks. But let's go to John 11 and uh, uh, let's pick up with uh, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now that. That would have been that. Would, I mean, they're all all of these would have been cool to be at to watch Jesus heal these people. But, uh, you know, uh, to, to see somebody get raised from the dead. Now, that 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 would have to be right at the top of the list, wouldn't it? And, and now now Lazarus, he wasn't the only one that Jesus raised from the dead. He raised Jairus's daughter, didn't he? And didn't he raise that uh, young boy there in Nain? Remember that they were having a funeral procession and Jesus raised him up right there. Remember that. And, but here today, let's look at this. John 11, we'll start in verse one. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, uh, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, uh, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, Behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now, of course, we know that God doesn't cause sickness and disease. He doesn't bring sickness and disease upon people. You understand that. Who does that? That's the devil that does that, right? 
Uh, remember Acts 10.38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. See, so uh, we understand sickness and disease emanates from the devil and from sin and so forth and so on. Uh, the sickness is not unto death in verse four, but for the glory of God. So don't misread that and think that Lazarus was sick for the glory of God. You know, uh, let me let me say it another way. Uh, God didn't make Lazarus sick so he could so God could get glory out of it. Did, did, do you understand that? So don't misread it and think that God made Lazarus sick so that God could get glory out of it. Okay, Lazarus was sick. Uh, but God was going to get the glory out of raising him from the dead. You, you understand that? So, so a lot of times people will read that and say, well, well, see, Lazarus was sick for the glory of God. But that's not what that said. We understand that Lazarus was sick, sickness is of the devil. But, but this sickness is going to result in the glory of God being seen. And so, uh, and then he says, uh, so the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And uh, so, so uh, I, I think I've explained it, but I want to be sure you got it. Uh, was Lazarus sick? Uh, uh, did God make Lazarus sick? No. no. God didn't make Lazarus sick so he could get glory. But Lazarus was sick, right? And God's going to get glory out of, out, of, out of healing and raising him and so forth, right? So be sure you understand that right. All right, verse five. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, Martha, what was her sister's name? Mary, Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, now watch this. When Jesus heard that he was sick, because the report is that, G, that Lazarus is sick and they send for Jesus and Jesus hears that he's sick, but he stays two more days in the place where he was. He stayed two more days. Now, uh, you say, well, why wouldn't he come running just immediately? Well, Jesus has his reasons, doesn't he? And, and I'm thoroughly convinced he knew Lazarus was going to die and he was going to raise him from the dead. So he waited two more days. You know, the Lord, I've learned this about the Lord. You know, he seldom ever early. Seldom ever early. But he, but he ain't never late. <laughs> he ain't never late. That's not good English, but it's good theology, right? And uh, so he's, he's, he's seldom ever early. I wish he'd be early, early sometimes. But he's seldom ever early. But, uh, <laughs> but he's never late. He shows right up. He shows up right on time. Uh, you know, I, I, I know uh, we have some family members that they're wonderful people and all. But uh, whenever we have a... a uh, uh, over at the house, have, have, you know, like a family gathering at the house. They always show up, you know, about, uh, about 20 minutes early, <laughs> 20 minutes early, you know, you know, and, and I'd rather somebody be early rather than late. But, uh, these folks <laughs> showed up early, about 20 minutes early one time and we, we weren't quite ready for it. And, and so they'd gotten up to the door and they rang the doorbell. And I said, uh, I said, all oh, those people are here early again. Why don't they ever come on time? And I said it a little too loud. And I think they heard it. So I didn't mean for them to. But so they've, they've always been on time since I, since I said that, you know. <laughs> it's better to be early than late. Is that right? 
but the best things be right on time, okay? So that's one thing about Jesus. He's always right on time. And then notice this. So he stays two more days where he was. Then in verse seven, then after he uh, then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, our teacher, you know, lately the Jews uh, sought to stone you and you're going there again. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles because the light's not in him. Verse 11, these things he said. And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Well, now, Lazarus had died in this time. From the time Jesus got to report, he stays two more days. And there's much we could say about, really, there's, there's more I could say about why he waited the two days. But I, I don't want to get into all that right now. But Lazarus had died in the meantime. And Jesus says, here in verse 11, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Well, you need to realize this in the Bible. A lot of times when, uh, when, when believers die, the Bible says they're asleep. Did you ever notice that? Now, uh, you need to realize this. You, did you know that the only thing that a Christian and a sinner have in common when they die is that their body is dead? That's the only thing they have in common. I'll say that again. The only thing a Christian and a non-Christian or a sinner, someone that's never accepted the Lord Jesus, the only thing they have in common at death is their body's dead. You understand that, don't you? Because a, a Christian, their spirit's going to leave their body and go to heaven and be with the Lord. And it's far better there than it is here. But a sinner, when they die, their, body, their spirit's going to leave their body and go into a place called hell and be tormented. That's a bad thing. Now, sometimes people think that Jesus is talking about soul sleep. There is no such thing as soul sleep. You understand that? When you're dead, your body is dead. And that's what the Bible's referring to with Christians who, who have died. Is that they're, when it says they're asleep, it's referring to their body. Christians, when they die, they're, they're, the, the Bible refers to it oftentimes as their body is asleep. Have you ever been, have you ever been to a funeral parlor and they go walk up the casket? It looks like they're asleep, right? But remember, the only thing a Christian and a sinner have in common in, in that is their body looks like it's asleep. But the Christian, go, their spirit leaves their body. The Bible says the body without the spirit is dead, see? So when a Christian dies, their spirit leaves their body and goes to be with the Lord. But a sinner, one that never accepted Jesus, when they die, their, body, their spirit leaves their body and goes to hell. You need to understand that. But you need to realize in the Bible that sometimes it refers to Christians as being asleep. It's referring to their body. Their body's asleep. You understand that? But their spirit has gone to be with the Lord. Now, our, our friend Lazarus sleeps. So Jesus, you'll see here in a minute, he's talking about that he, he's, he's dead, but he refers to it as sleep. I'd rather look at it as sleep. I mean, my mother, when she went to be with the Lord, I walked in there. I won't go through the whole story, but when I walked in there, I knew when I walked in that room, she wasn't in there. She wasn't in there. Now her body was in there, but she wasn't in there. And I walked up there to her bed and it looked like she was asleep, but she wasn't there. 
I'd wondered about that for years, how I would know that my mother had left. I, I, she's, she wasn't there. They didn't need to. I went and got the nurses. They came in, checked her out. She was gone. They didn't need to do that. I tell you, she, was, she wasn't there. I'll tell you, there's something different about that room. There was, when I walked in, looking back at it, she was gone. But her body looked like it was asleep. Peaceful, just peaceful. Uh, she went to be with the Lord, see. But I'd rather think of it as, as my mama, I, I, her, her body's asleep, see. But her spirit's with the Lord because she was born again, see. And you need to realize that. The Bible talks about those who have fallen asleep. Well, it's talking about that they're, they've died. But the Bible refers to Christians a lot of times as being asleep. But it's talking about their body. Their spirit's gone to be with the Lord. You understand that? So our friend Lazarus sleeps. I go that I may wake him up. Well, it's a whole lot easier to think about waking somebody up from sleep than raising them up from the dead, isn't it? Well, much we could say about that too. Verse 12, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. See, now, now watch this. See, the disciples, you need to realize the disciples are thinking naturally a lot of times. Most all the time they're thinking naturally. And a lot of times Jesus, most of the time he's talking spiritual things. You understand that? Remember when he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And what did Nicodemus said? How could I go into my mother's womb and come out a second time? Right. So is it Nicodemus? He's thinking naturally. Jesus talking spiritually. Is that right? Remember when Jesus said, you got to drink my blood and eat my body. Remember that? And his disciples got offended. They walked away from him. Many of them. How many remembers that? Well, he's talking spiritually. They're thinking naturally. Jesus never was talking about literally eating his body and drinking his blood. That'd be cannibalism. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking spiritually, believing on him, you see. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you partake of his blood and his body. You understand that. But you see, if you listen to spiritual truths with natural ears, natural thinking, you're going to get offended and confused. Did you hear me? So don't ever listen to spiritual truth with natural thinking, natural ears. You'll get offended because you won't understand it. You'll get offended and, uh, and, and wind up sometimes even walking away from the Lord. You need to realize that. I'm going to say that again. Don't ever listen to spiritual truths with natural ears or natural thinking is what I mean. Natural thinking. Because a lot of times you'll get offended. You won't understand. You'll get offended. A lot of times you get upset with the Lord, you see. You understand that? And so that's what happens here. He says, Jesus says, our friend Lazarus is sleeping. His disciple says, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus, look at verse 13. Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. See, they're thinking about looking at it naturally. Jesus talking spiritually. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So there he goes and he says it just so they'll get it and understand it. And then he says, verse 15, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who's called the twins, said uh, to, the, to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Well, that's an interesting attitude. 
Now, Thomas, you know, he's called Doubting Thomas. And you, you understand why? Because when the Lord appeared after he was raised from the dead, he appeared to the disciples first time. Thomas wasn't there. Remember that? And, and the disciples told him uh, about Jesus's resurrection. He said, unless I can put my thrust my fingers into his side, touch the scars in his hands, I'll not believe. Remember that? How many remembers that? He got uh, called Doubting Thomas out of that. But then I think eight days later, when Jesus appeared to him again, uh, he, he saw Jesus. He was the first one to say, my Lord and my God, you see. And then the Lord said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. I've never seen, but I believe. How about you? And so we're blessed. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Nonetheless here, he said, uh, he says, let us go that we may die with him. Now, he may not have always had the best attitude, but bless God, he's going to go ahead with him and die with him anyway. So, so I guess Thomas is a good guy to have around. Then verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he, now notice this in verse 17, Jesus shows up there at where Lazarus is and he found that he'd already been in the tomb for how long? Four days. Four days, Lazarus has been dead four days. Now it's interesting, you need to realize this. I'm going to read from my notes here. According to Jewish tradition, the soul of the departed person hung around the body for three days after its death. Now we know that's not so. We know that when, when, when a person dies, their spirit leaves their body and immediately, if they're a Christian, they go to be with the Lord. And if they're not a Christian, they immediately go into hell. You need to understand that. So that the spirit doesn't hang around the body or stay here on the earth. You need to realize that. When, when a Christian dies, their spirit leaves their body, immediately leaves the earth, goes into heaven to be with the Lord. And a sinner immediately leaves earth, goes into, the, in, into hell. You need to understand that. But there was a Jewish belief that said it was a tradition, it was a wrong tradition, but, but that's what they believe, many of them, that the soul of a departed person hung around the body for three days after its death. The soul, according to this tradition or belief, would depart after three days and then the body would start decaying. If the raising, was, raising of the body was performed within those three days, the Jews would have claimed that there was no miracle involved. Do you see why Jesus waited four days? Until yes. it had been four days? As, and do you ever think about that? Jesus was raised on the what? On the third day or right at the end of the third day you see that would that would even Jesus's resurrection the uh, the greatest event next to his death on the cross well the death on the cross his resurrection the, the the two greatest events of all time along with his virgin birth would you agree with me but but be that as it may but he he was he was raised after three days which would tear this this Jewish tradition apart wouldn't it wouldn't it just like raising Lazarus, only Lazarus it was four days, Jesus was three. But in either case, it, it blew this uh, religious tradition to, to, to smithereens, you see. So if Jesus had been raised after one day or two days, or even in the middle of the third day, they'd argued, well, his spirit never really left his body or, you know. But he waited, uh, Jesus and Jesus' resurrection was three days, Lazarus was four. But you can see why Jesus waited till the fourth day, can't you? It's interesting. How many of you knew about that uh, Jewish tradition? I, so most people don't realize that. 
so you see why, why Jesus waited to the fourth day. Let me read from my notes here. Let me continue. So if the raising was performed within those three days, the Jews would have claimed that there was no miracle involved as the spirit had simply returned to the body within the, in the requisite time. By the time Jesus reached Bethany, four days had passed and the body had start, of Lazarus had started decomposing. By performing the miracle on the fourth day after Lazarus' death and burial, Jesus was demonstrating his power and authority over death itself that even a dead person could be raised from the grave even after rot and decomposition had set in the body by his express command. Glory to God. So it's helpful to know that tradition, isn't it? Now in verse 18, Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary, uh, uh, joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them according, uh, uh, concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. That's good news, isn't it? Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See, Jesus wasn't talking. I mean, you can say he was talking about that, all right? But he's talking about, I'm going to raise him right now. Jesus said to her, I am the, re- oh, I love this, one of my f- most favorite verses in all the Bible. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. Glory to God. Yeah. Boy, I like that one right there. I, he said, I am the, re- Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. I tell you what, we've got hope in Christ, don't we? Glory yeah. to God. Now watch this, verse 26. And then he says, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Amen. But now here's the thing. You got to listen to this with spiritual ears. Because if you listen to that with natural ears, you're going to say, Well, whoever lives and believes in him will never die. That would mean we'd never die physically. Well, you know that's not right. We... The Bible says it's appointed in the book of Hebrews, it's appointed unto men once, men and women, human beings once to die. Is that right? So Jesus wasn't talking about natural, physical death here, was he? Absolutely not. You know, the Bible, you, you know, the Bible talks about people being dead while they live. Did you know that? A sinner, somebody that's never accepted the Lord Jesus, they're dead while they live. They're, they're spiritually speaking, their spirits cut off from the life of God. Do you remember reading in the Bible where the Bible talks about, I think it's in the book of Ephesians, being dead in trespasses and sins. Remember that? See, so when you see death in the Bible, don't automatically think think physical death. A lot of times it's talking about spiritual death. But if you don't realize what the Bible or Jesus, you know, is talking about, you can get confused. So if you think he's talking about natural death here, you, you, well, he who lives and believes in me will never die. Well, you know that's not what he's talking about because we see that people die all the time. Is that right? Who live and believe in him, their spirits go to be with him and all that. You understand that? Awaiting the resurrection. But you got to think about this in spiritual terms. And, and he who lives and believes in the Lord Jesus, they're not ever going to die spiritually. They're going to stay with him, you know. 
and their spirit's going to leave their body when they die, go to be with the Lord, you know. And then and then at the rapture of the church, the Lord's coming back and their and their and their spirits will be reunited with their physical bodies. The bodies will be glorified. We've taught you that, haven't we, from the Bible, you know, and, and, and never to die ever again. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus ultimately, through his death, burial and resurrection, abolished death, didn't he? Yes. Wonderful. But not, but, but we all have to die physically if, if the Lord doesn't come in our lifetimes. But ultimately, spiritually speaking, and even our physical bodies will, will, will live on forever with Him. Isn't that wonderful? So I'd advise you, live and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be in good shape. Now in verse 27, so she said to Him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. How many in here believe that He's the Christ, the Son of God? Who is to come into the world? And when he, uh, and when she'd said these things, verse 28, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as, as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. When the Jews, uh, then the Jews who were with her in the house, and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Well, she said the same thing her sister said. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That would have been interesting to see. He groaned in the spirit and he said, uh, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then I think verse 35, I think is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. You know, Jesus wept. He cried. Wouldn't it be something to see Jesus cry? I think that'd break, break my heart to see him cry. Our Lord and Master cried. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this, now watch this, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? Well, you're always going to have those people around, aren't you? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. I tell you, it takes faith to say that. Now, doesn't it? Did Jesus live and operate by faith? Absolutely, because the Heavenly Father would speak and say, this is my son, beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Jesus lived by faith. Take away the stone. I mean, you've got to have guts to say that. You've got to remember, there's a lot of people out there. Mary, Martha, you know, and the Jews are all out there. Take away the stone. You've got to have guts. You know what? You've got to have guts to live by faith. I've never said that before, but it's the truth. You've got to have guts to live by faith. When you start living by faith, I'm talking about Bible faith, people, oftentimes even Christians, are going to start mocking you, making fun of you. It takes guts to live by faith. Take away the stone. I like that. Martha, <laughs> the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, <laughs> by this time, I like the way the King James says it, he stinketh. Because it's been, he's been dead four days. Now, now here, you see, uh, Martha is trying to explain to the Lord how he can't do what he's about getting ready to do. 
But she was a well-meaning soul. Said, Lord, by this time he stinketh. There's a stench. He's been dead four days. Tell a, don't we oft times tell Jesus things he already knows? Yeah. <laughs> I can relate a lot to Martha. Lord, by this time there's a stench. We're telling Jesus, we're telling God things. You know, we're telling God things. He's, he's God in the flesh, isn't he? But you know, it's interesting. The Lord did a lot of things on the, the, the number four. It's interesting, you know. Remember when the disciples were about ready to sink? He came in the fourth watch. Is that right? And saved them. I remember in that fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's in, they're in there in that fiery furnace. Remember, it had been stoked up seven times hotter than it was that it ever had been. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar went down to see, you know, how the barbecue was going. And he goes down, he looks in there, and he sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he sees a fourth man in there, one like under the Son of God. Jesus is the fourth man in the fiery furnace, you know. Glory to God. So four days doesn't make Jesus nervous. Lord, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead four days. Well, you know, this is just this prime, this is prime atmosphere for Jesus to do a miracle. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, where Lazarus was lying, his body, you know. Now, do you know where his spirit was? I tell you right where his spirit was. His spirit was in Abraham's bosom. That's where his spirit was. In paradise. Read Luke, the 16th chapter. You you see where he was. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now remember that. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice. With a what? With a loud voice, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Ooh, I'd have loved to have been there to hear that. How about you? And I'd have been all eyes, man. I'd have been all eyes, man. I'd have been looking at that tomb door. And, uh, you know, uh, one preacher said this many years ago, and it's so good. He said that if Jesus hadn't said Lazarus, and if he would have just said, come forth, the whole cemetery would have got, would have come out. Everybody that was dead would have come out of their graves in that cemetery, in that area. You understand that? And you know that is going to happen at the rapture of the church. I said it's going to happen at the rapture of the church. The Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Real loud say shout. With a shout. Say it again. Shout. Yeah, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be changed in a moment. Twinkling of an eye will be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. See, when the Lord comes in the rapture, he's not going to say, Lazarus, come forth. That that shout, he's going to just say, come. I don't know exactly what he's going to say, but he's, he could well say, come forth. And when he does, every believer, praise God, from Adam on down to that time, they're 
bodies are going to be glorified, blasted out of the tombs, out of the graves. If they've been cremated, they're going to come back into, into existence. I don't know how God's going to do it, but He's got power. And when with that shout of the Lord, probably, I don't know what, he's going to, what the shout's going to be, but it could be come forth. And my God, all the believers who've ever lived, their bodies glorified. Praise God. Their spirits will go back, their born again spirits, back into their glorified bodies, never to die again. Can anybody say amen? Glory to God. Woo, that excites me. Praise God. I like one, one guy said, you can preach your horns off a billy goat with that. Praise God. <laughs> How many of you are excited about that day? How many of you looking forward to the rapture of the church? Boy, I'd love for that to take place in my, in my lifetime. I would love to cheat the undertaker, wouldn't you? I, you know what? I'd love to cheat the undertaker. Never have to be laid in a coffin. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But either way, we're going to be with the Lord if we believe in Him. Is that right? But He says, Lazarus, come forth. And in verse 44, And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Now, wouldn't that have freaked you out to see that? (laughs) Glory to God. That excites me, doesn't it, you? And here comes Lazarus out, bound with the grave clothes. Here he comes out. My, 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 my. One of the greatest miracles of all, all, all time right there. The raising of Lazarus by the power of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lazarus come forth and out he comes. Bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him. He said to those people around him, whoever was down there with him, you know, with Lazarus, loose him and let him go. And they had to unwrap. Unwrap those grave clothes. Now that would have been a cool assignment, don't you think? Huh? Unwrapping the grave clothes. And I want to see, I want to see what he looks like. He's been dead four days. I want to see what he looks like. And they unwrap him. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, you talk about working in miracles. Not only did his spirit have to come back in his body. Now watch this. His spirit had to come back in his body, right? Right? And uh, so his spirit had to come back in his body. His body had to be restored. Because it had been decaying, right? And he had to be healed of whatever that sickness was. That he died of. You talk about the power of God in manifestation. Think about that. His spirit had to come back into his body. His body had to be restored from the decay. And then he had to be healed of whatever that sickness was that he died of. And Jesus did it all by the power of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. And guess what? Jesus ultimately healed him anyway. He just didn't do it on the first day, the second day, the third day. But he did it on the fourth day. But he did it nonetheless. Glory to God. And do you see how God didn't cause the sickness in Lazarus? But God was glorified and the Lord Jesus Christ was glorified because of it. Glory to God. And here we are. 2,000 years later, approximately, and we're still giving glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Heavenly Father and the Blessed Holy Spirit because of it. But now watch this. Go to to the next chapter. Now watch watch this, John 12. 
Then, now watch this. Then six days before the Passover, this is John 12, verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Now this was after he'd been raised from the dead. Just some time after. And there they made a supper. And Martha, of course, she probably made it and serving. Verse 2. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with Jesus. Now, that's, I, now there's, you talk about a dead man speaking, man. I mean, there he's alive and well and doing good. Now, just for the sake of time, skip down to verse 9. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he, that Jesus was there, and they came. Not now watch this. This is this is this is so so this is so sad. Now now I get the first part, but 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 then it gets real sad. But true to form to, to these religious people, watch this. They came not for Jesus' sake only. Now they wanted to come to see Jesus. All right but that they might also see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Now, how many of you would have liked to have gone seen Lazarus after he'd been raised from the dead? That'd been cool. Now, I'd go first to see Jesus, but it wouldn't hurt to also get a look at Lazarus. I'd like to talk to Lazarus. I'd like to say, where did you go during those four days? Where were you? Now, I believe he went to Abraham's bosom. We already said that. But it's like that boy in name that Jesus raised from the dead. And he's, the Bible says he sat up and began to speak. I'd like to hear what he was saying, you know. But we're not given these things in the Bible. Uh, but nonetheless, we can, we can be pretty well sure what, where Lazarus had been. But they came not only to see Jesus, but they came to see Lazarus also. And I, I don't blame them. I'd have come see, seen it too. So, so I, I'm good to there. But now look at verse 10. Now this is where it gets sad. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Yeah, I like that. Jesus, yeah, if they'd have killed Lazarus, Jesus just raised him up again. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, if they would have killed him, then Jesus would have just raised him again. Thank you, dear sister. But, but look how sick these, how, how demented these religious leaders are. Remember, we've taught you again and again, we've seen it. You know, Jesus would perform just a great healing, a great miracle, and, and we should be rejoicing. They should have been rejoicing over the healing, over the miracle, but they were, they were upset because he did it on the Sabbath. Yeah. Remember that? We've gone over that and over that and over that. He did it on the wrong day and all that. There, there are six days on which people can come and be healed. Let them come on those six. Don't do it on the Sabbath. Remember, we've talked about that many times. Well, here, here, you see how, how vehement these, these guys are, these religious people. They want to put Lazarus back to death. They want to, they want to kill him. And they should have been rejoicing that he's been raised from the dead. Right? They should have been rejoicing. And they don't want, they're not rejoicing. They want to put him back to death. Now why? Look at verse 11. Because on account of him, on account of Lazarus, Many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. See, really, at the root of it, they were jealous because people were following Jesus and not them. When they should have had the attitude of John the Baptist, remember when John had the big crowd and all of a sudden Jesus comes along, you know, 
And John points the crowd to Jesus. And then uh, and then somebody asked John, said, don't don't you realize that they're all everybody's following Jesus? He said he said he must what increase, but I must decrease. Remember, but they didn't have that attitude. They were they and the Bible brings it out. They were they were jealous. They were envious. Because Jesus was getting all the attention. Well, he ought to get all the attention. But, uh, but uh, verse 11, because on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Now, here, skip down to verse 37 for the sake of time. But although he had done so many signs before them. Although he had done so many signs before them. They did not believe in him. Isn't that sad? Now, I'm just convinced some people aren't going to believe no matter what. I tell you what, I don't need to see a sign or a wonder. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the signs and the wonders do for me is just confirm what I believe. In verse 42, nevertheless, so, so verse 37 says, although he'd done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Now, if raising Lazarus from the dead isn't going to get you to believe, there's just nothing going to do it. Now, I think about those guards who were guarding the tomb when Jesus was raised from the dead. The Bible says, you know, as Jesus walked out of that tomb, and his countenance was like lightning and so on and so forth. And those guards saw that stone get rolled away by the angel. And Jesus, I believe the Bible brings it out, standing there in that glory. And, and we see where, to my record, none of those guards became believers. But rather they conspired a lie, you know, that the disciples came by night and stole his body and took money. I mean, I don't understand that, do you? How you can see such power. And not believe. They did not believe in him. Now look at verse 42 and you'll see why. Nevertheless, now watch this, verse 40. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. So there were a good number of people that did believe in Jesus. But watch this, verse 42. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Well, I tell you what, I'd rather be thrown out of the synagogue and confess Jesus than to be in the synagogue lost as the devil himself. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they, verse 43, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I tell you what, the praise of men's not worth going to hell over, is it? And you know, the Bible says that if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, book of Romans, 10th chapter, if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Now these people believe, but they wouldn't confess him. I don't, according to the Bible, they're not saved. Right? And they're not saved because they wouldn't confess Jesus because they loved the, they, they didn't want to get thrown out of the synagogue because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Isn't that sad? It's very sad. Very sad. Very, very sad. Very sad. Well, I tell you what, my time has slipped away from me. So, uh, I tell you what, I can do this in five minutes. You got five more minutes? Let's go to Matthew 21 real fast. 
Uh, we'll, we'll just, we can finish this real quick and then you know, next week we'll pick up in the book of Acts. Do you enjoy that story about Lazarus? <laughs> but but in, in Matthew 21, uh, we see Jesus uh, healing in the temple. Some scholars say he only cleansed the temple once. I think he cleansed it twice, once at the beginning of his ministry, once at the end of his ministry. But in Matthew 21, verse 12, uh, near the end of his ministry, he, he cleanses the, uh, the temple. And notice in Matthew 21, verse 12, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. Again, some scholars say he only cleansed it once, but from my study of it, many scholars say he cleaned it twice. And I, I tend to think he did it twice, once near the beginning of his ministry, once at the end. Actually, John 2 records uh, it at the beginning of his ministry, and then Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, uh, I believe, well, I know Matthew, I'm not sure about Mark and Luke. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, and Luke cover uh, the temple cleansing near the end of his ministry. But nonetheless, he goes into the temple, Matthew 21, 12, and drives out all those who bought and sold in the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers, the seats of those who sold doves, and verse 13, and he said to them, it's written, my house shall be called house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Verse 14, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and what did he do? He, he healed them. So I'm trying to get you all the healings and miracles that Jesus did in chronological order. Now let's look at the, does anybody know what the last one that we have record of was? Well, well, I, you need to know it, so I'm going to tell you. Luke 22. You want to know what the last recorded one was that that I that I can see? If there's a, one after this, you can let me know. But uh, look at Luke 22, verse 47. And while he was still speaking, while Jesus was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he uh, uh, there's a multitude, and and uh, he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. Remember at the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus, uh, when Judas betrayed Jesus and brought the, the the Roman garrison and all of that, you know, and so forth to arrest Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And this is Luke 22, verse 49. Then arose, uh, when those around him saw uh, what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them, now does anybody know who, who, who did this? It was, it was Peter. John tells us, John points it out that it was Peter. Struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. And then what did Jesus do? He touched his ear and healed him. You got to think about that. In that moment, at that time, after Jesus had been through such anguish, he still, he is love, isn't he? And he's being betrayed, isn't he? And, and this guy, his name was Malchus, the servant of the high priest. He was coming to arrest Jesus. And, 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 and Peter goes for him and cuts off his right ear. I don't think Peter was aiming for the ear. I think he was aiming to do him more harm than that. But I think Malchus must have moved and cut off his right ear. That's my thoughts. But the point is, think about this. Jesus was healing one of his enemies, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Wasn't he? Yes. I said he was healing one of his enemies. 
And he touched his ear and he healed him. You think about that. Isn't that wonderful? Now in closing, very quickly, go to John, the 20th chapter. And uh, we'll close up Jesus' healing crusade. And then we'll, like I said, we'll spend some time in the book of Acts, probably, probably one or two weeks on that. And then we'll go on to however the Lord leads. But look at this, John 20, verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his, of his disciples, which are not written in this book, well, in the book of John. Of course, Matthew, Mark, and Luke record other healings and miracles that weren't recorded in John. But actually, Jesus did, in my opinion, he did so many miracles and signs and wonders that didn't even get recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we'll have scripture here in a moment. But notice, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So there were other things that Jesus did that didn't get recorded in the book of John. But look at John 21, verse 25. And there are also, now look at this, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Now, after this, I have no, from my study of it, I don't see that after Malchus is here and after Jesus was raised from the dead, that he healed anybody himself after that. But what he did do is he turned to the church. He turned... To the, to the believers. And in Mark the 16th chapter, remember he says, these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. Remember that? And then in verse 19 of Mark 16, Mark 16, 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. Now this is after he'd been raised from the dead and sat down at the right hand of God and they went out and, now watch this, and they, these are the believers, his disciples and believers, his disciples, but, but it applies to anyone who will believe on the Lord Jesus. But they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs, or the King James says, with signs following. And so the healing ministry of the Lord Jesus didn't, though he himself never healed anybody after he was raised from the dead. Malchus is the last one that I see that he healed. But he commissioned the church. And now Jesus still heals with the power of the Holy Spirit through the church. And he's done so for the last 2,000 years. And we're witnesses to it. We've experienced the healing power in, of God in here over the last 25 some odd years. And Jesus is still in the healing business. So, so next week we'll see, and we'll take a few weeks, like I said, in the book of Acts, and we'll see how uh, the power of God flowed through the apostles to heal people, okay? And it'll be very good. I think it'll be helpful to you. All right, listen, everybody stand with me. If you're watching on social media and you don't know the Lord, I, I tell you what, you need to know him. The Bible says there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. The only way to miss hell and make heaven is to uh, to get saved. How do you get saved? The Bible says that whoever will call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So I want to encourage you, call on the name of the Lord Jesus, invite him into your into your life, and he'll come into your life in a moment's uh, in a moment's time and you'll miss hell, you'll make heaven, you'll get born again and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. All right, God bless you and thanks for joining us today.